0: Welcome to today's episode of The Power of Reinvention. I'm Kathy Sharp ross and we're here to talk with my guests about the dreams, the visions, and the passions that individuals have every day and dare to explore them. Whether it's business or personal, you're entitled to live the life that you want, and no matter the circumstances, you have the power to create success, fulfill your dreams, and live with passion. That's what I'm talking about. So dare greatly and happy reinventing folks. Let's do this. Welcome, everybody. This is Kathy Sharp Ross, your host of The Power of Reinvention. I am so excited to have Ross Martin as my guest on today's episode of The Power of Reinvention. As many of you know, I launched this podcast at the beginning of the year. It was on the heels of the launch of my book, which came out early last year, right at the beginning of the pandemic, ironically. Um, the book is Reinvent Your Life. What are you waiting for? I couldn't think of a more appropriate book to come out the beginning of a pandemic when we were all asked to go home, put push the pause button, and really kind of pivot and reinvent all kinds of parts of our lives. So I'm super excited that we're going to delve into this conversation today. And I would like to introduce a little bit of Ross, but let me say hello. Welcome, welcome. So good to have you here.
1: Thank you, Kathy. I'm so psyched to be here.
0: Thank you. So before we delve in, I'd like to share a little background on Ross. Uh, he is the CXO and president of NOAN, which is an amazing agency. I'm going to share a little bit about more, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. But just to go back in time and a little, Emmy and Peabody award-winning marketing and business innovation leader, Ross Martin, is the president of NOAN a modern marketing company that uses science, strategy, and creative to help their clients achieve their goals. Ross is also the founder of Venture Capital Fund Lunch Partners, an early-stage private investment vehicle for some of the world's most powerful CMOs. He co-hosts the weekly national podcast on business, culture, and technology called Think About This on the Westwood Podcast Network featured on Apple Music, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And prior to knowing, Ross was founder and CEO of Blackbird, a brand, strategy, and business innovation firm that used consumer intelligence, strategy, and breakthrough cre- creative to solve problems, create opportunities, and propel growth for industry leaders and the challenges out to disrupt them. Blackbird's clients included AT&T, WarnerMedia, City. IMAX, Rock Center, Entertainment One, which is now Hasbro, Fandango, Viacom, Disney, and more. Blackbird was acquired by Sherison Associates in 2019, forming the basis of the company now known as Noen. He's also the former EVP of Marketing Strategy and Engagement for Viacom, where he oversaw global and domestic marketing, consumer intelligence, data science, creative innovation, internal agency and biz dev teams, and served as chairman of the Viacom Marketing Council. He was also, prior to that, Viacom's creative strategy and consult, ran, sorry, ran Viacom's creative strategy and consulting division, and he was the first head of programming for MTV's College Network, and served as Senior Vice President of Production for MTV 360. I could just go on and on. There are awards, there are accolades, there are member associations, but I think we just need to dive into this conversation, Ross. Yeah, let's just start. Who cares about that (laughs) But you know what? It's great context and it gives a little background and there's stuff there that we're not going to get to today because there's so many other things to talk about. So let's do this. So Ross... I want to take you back in time a little. I want to go back to—I don't know—were you five? Were you twelve? Were you twenty? You seem to have a very entrepreneurial sensibility and this incredible sort of sense of vision of how to build and grow business. Um, did you know that's who you were at the age of five or twelve or twenty? What, what, who was little Ross? You know,
1: <laughs> little Ross is still little, little Ross. Ross. Uh, I, I, I'll tell you this. Um, you know, there's a line in your book where you talk about how your parents always told you that you could do anything you set your mind to, and that you, Kathy, believed them. And there's, like, not only great privilege in having parents like that, um, but it can be, you know, to some people, that could be terrifying, right? In others, it inspires, you know, achievements they never thought possible. And for me, you know, just like you, I I woke up every morning as a kid with a mom who would sort of touch my back or my shoulder, rub it gently and say, today's the day. Today's the day. Every single day of my childhood, that day was the day. And from, you know, when you grow up like that, everything seems possible. And it seems almost impossible to bet against yourself or bet against the possibilities of the day. And, and that's where this started for me. I just, I, I, I was raised to believe that if I tried hard enough um, and if I wanted something badly enough, and if I worked towards it, I may get knocked down a bunch, but eventually I could get there.
0: I love that. And, you know, it's so rare. And I do talk in my book about, you know, having parents, I, I say, it wasn't luck. I was blessed to have parents that gave me that can do perspective on life and I lived around the world and got to live in different countries and it really opened my mind up to you know not just living in a box or a lane but really kind of like the magnitude of what was out there and I think that gave me perspective um, which helped me in a lot of ways throughout my entire life. Um, But not everybody has that. So that actually was the catalyst for why I wanted to write this book. I wanted people to know that even if they didn't grow up with that and they didn't have parents sort of ushering them out into the big world, wide world in a really positive way, that there were still ways to have a sense of entitlement. And that's a big word that I use in this conversation is that we should all feel entitled to live the lives that we want. And how do we acquire the tools or evolve the tools that we have to enable us to do that? So do you feel like there were certain tools in your life that actually you really did apply, whether or not they were kind of handed to you or you kind of figured them out and you honed them and sharpened them a little bit along the way?
1: I've been told that I'm an emotional leader. I prefer to say heart-centered. Mm -hmm. um it's a better way to put it if you're asking me um and so I I I am an empathetic leader and I'm really proud of that and again like that's just how I was raised to be a son and um, a friend and a father right and a husband so that's just me um and I think now more than ever being an empathetic leader seems to be all anyone can talk about so I guess that's, good. that's a good thing it's right now. I'm glad amaz- that-
0: it's, it is, it's an amazing, but it, it hasn't always,
1: it hasn't always been viewed um, especially in, in men um, as a strength. And I can, I can recall many times where I was in situations where other men um, in leadership position would view my empathy as a weakness. Mm. And, um, and I hated that. I still hate that. And it still happens. Um, but it's a strength, it's a great strength. And it allows me to be emotionally aware of the people around me and how they might be feeling sometimes too aware, you know? Um, Well, I don't know.
0: I mean, in this day and age, and, and, you know, it actually leads me to a really important question that I wanted to ask you. I mean, who you are running this incredible agency, um, you know, you can talk a little bit, share a little bit about how it evolved because I think it's an amazing story in this day and age to sort of create of so to, to be the new kid on the block sort of agency, although it came out of the bones of some incredible other agency business and work and the collaboration of some incredible people. Um, but in this last year, maintaining company culture requires leadership from people who have that empathetic bone, who understand and lead with heart. So let's just kind of take us through knowing who, who it is today, what it is today And what that last year has been like, how have you kept, you know, the company culture intact? And, you know, I think you are the type of company that really does have that, but it hasn't been easy. So let's chat about that.
1: Yeah, thank you for saying that. But, you know, from a commercial success perspective, I think known as a phenomenon, um, you know, we launched publicly essentially and announced our, our arrival about a week before we all went into quarantine and when when we told the world hey we're here we were i don't know about 190 people a year later we're 320 and we've got 50 open roles right now that we have to hire for so how do you manage that kind of growth in your culture um so we're in a war for talent um we have from the business perspective we've sort of caught a tiger by the tail and the question is you know How do you operationalize a business and build an intentional culture when most of the company has never been in the same room with most of the company, let alone our clients? Uh, I went to dinner with one of our senior clients last week for the first time in a year and a half, and I didn't even know how to be, you know, outside at the Gramercy Tavern trying to adult. Like I was trying to be an adult. (laughs) Trying to adult. I I was like... How much am I supposed to drink? Like, how fast should I eat? I've lost all
0: oh my self-control. Gosh. Isn't that amazing? You
1: know, when you're home, you can only see my rectangle. That's all I have to manage here on Zoom. But like, you have no idea the craziness that's going on around. Well, and I and think there's true. legitimate
0: social reentry anxiety. It's a thing. Totally. It is absolutely a thing. It's every other conversation I'm having now with our colleagues in the business.
1: And so, so what we decided to do from a leadership perspective was study our own selves and then study the world around us. And so we invested in the largest and most ambitious, most ambitious longitudinal study of the effects of the pandemic on culture and on all of us. And we called it the human condition and we continue to invest in that. And we will for years to come because, you know, We may be, as people say, in the same storm, but we're all in different boats. And it was very clear to us that like we have offices in six different cities across America. We're opening offices around the world and we've now got over 300 people working out of their home offices and they all have such different personal home scenarios, right, like some have kids, some have no kids, some have kids with special needs, some are single parents. Some have disabilities, and you know, like, you can't be an empathetic leader, and you also can't be um, serving your clients the way we're expected to if you don't deeply understand the vicissitudes of life in 2021. Um, you know, and and begin to like, you know, re- like really get into it, and that's the basis of our, you know, our cultural building. And that's the job we have to do as leaders here inside our company, but it's also what our all of our clients are counting on us for essentially that is an ongoing conversation and it involved.
0: directly impacts when you say the the heart and the culture is directly impacting the brands brands are showing up being more purpose-driven, more mission-driven, more sensitive, more engaged around the critical social issues of our time. And we as individuals in our position of leadership with agencies have to help direct them and still do the great business and the great work and build brands and companies in very serious ways.
1: I think you understand it's a Sharp Alliance as well as if not better than anyone. Like, you, you've you built your career on staying ahead of and predicting culture, right? And like, do that, you have to understand the drivers of behavior, preference, um, and you have to be able to recognize patterns more quickly than other people can. You can sort of opportunistically act on them for your clients or recommend. But, and it, it's the same for us. Um, and what I think we haven't even talked about, but, it, you know, is sort of like lo- this... Sort of steady stream across everything is the movement towards a, a more equal, equitable, and inclusive society, workforce—not um, just in this country, but all across the globe. And you think that we've made all this progress on this, and you wake up the next morning and you you realize actually how far we have to go. Whether we're talking about, um, you know, Black Americans. Or the Asian and Pacific Islander communities who are so, uh, who are suffering so much and so unfairly, and so like that's that's something that, you know, not only do we care, um, deeply um, about our own families and the impact that this has on us, but everybody who works in our company and all of our clients and the broader communities that we serve and support, who are all suffering in one way or another, um, some in in very very um, scary ways and so we're, we're, we're trying to operate a business in that environment and you have to ask yourself the existential question well what do we stand for in a moment like this what is the role of a new organization like ours known um what is our obligation to like you know everyone we serve um and how should we be showing up internally and externally and how do we live our values?
0: Yeah. what? And, and you ended on a word I was just about to bring up, values. So it's really interesting when you look at this and this parallels both the, the business and the personal side of who we are and what we're all doing right now. Because this exercise of questioning what are our values, but even more importantly, How we actually, if you make two columns, and I tell people to do this every day, people who want to reinvent, who are trying to get out of, you know, a a stuck place where they are trying to figure out what their next chapter might be, sit down and write down what you value, which again applies to both as personally and business wise, but then make a column and write down all the places you're actually spending your time. And you'll see that those two very typically do not align. And it's an amazing little exercise to put yourself through. It's very simple. It's a brilliant thing. But it's powerful. I love
1: that. That's really smart. Yeah, that's really, that's really smart. I mean, I, I'm talking to new candidates every day. And I'm trying to explain to them each and every time what we stand for and what we stand against. Because why on earth if you're super talented and you know, you're about to do some of the best work of your career and your life, why would you go do that someplace where, that doesn't align with your values? Why would, you, why would you give the best of you to a place that actually like, may not stand for the, the things that are most important to you? And there's just, like, there's no way around that and there's no neutral and you can't hide anymore. So we lead with that and um and not only is it important to us, but as a credit to our clients at known, they all care about this. It's the first thing they ask us when they hire us like what do you stand for? What are the principles upon which you founded this business, and what are your values and and if we don't if we can't align with our clients then then like we just they would never hire us, and we have walked away from clients um whose whose values sort of, and standards don't live up to our own.
0: Yeah, which is so important. Are there companies out there that you think are really walking the talk, not just talking the dog? Oh, I
1: mean, I th- yes, very like brands
0: many. brands who are doing like some pro- profound pivoting right now?
1: Um, I think I'm most interested in those who aren't pivoting right now, mm. but who have, who've always been living their values um, and have, have remained steadfast because those are the businesses and brands that are not trying to signal virtue, but who have created systems of impact that are consistent with who they are and who they want to be and how they want to be known. Mm. And, um, and I, I think you're like, you're really now able to see in, in the clear view of day, like which are which, yeah. right. And, um, some of the greatest marketers on the planet, uh, on the other side of this are just frozen in fear because they, they wake up and they're forced to answer some very difficult existential questions for their brands that they never had to struggle with before. Right. And If you're a CMO who's running a company that makes soap or deodorant, why do you need to care about something like gun safety? Well, suddenly you're being asked to care about that. Right. Not just by your consumers or your investors, but by your employees.
0: Right. And how do you integrate that into your narrative personally, as well Correct. as professionally, and then across the company or not? Correct. Um, and look, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because it is an issue that so many of us are really committed to and connected to.
1: And if if you don't have a belief system behind all of your operating systems, then, then you're sort of so unmoored, you're flying blind, and you have nothing to hold on to. And so we do a lot of that work, belief system work with our clients who, you know, some of them have lost their way, some of them never had to do that work. And, you know, but when you do have a powerful belief system that can inform and inspire all the ways that you operate your business, not just your marketing, um, then you're in a really amazing position to express the power and potential of your brand and your business in a way that lots of people will want to buy in. And so that creates such opportunities for brands that you're, you know, you're asking about, like, for example, you know, what Matthew is doing at Ben and Jerry's is just, it's extraordinary, but they've always been that way. Yeah. It's the same thing yeah. with Levi's. It's yeah. the same thing with Dick's Sporting Goods. It's the same thing with Unilever. It's the same thing with Procter & Gamble. And you can go on and on. There, at the, you know, On the other side of this, there are so many businesses that are so new that were almost born of this pandemic economy. True. Who, who are putting so many, so many points on the board, have so much commercial momentum, but never stop to ask themselves, who are we and what do we stand for? and what are the values that we want to live by they just don't even they haven't gotten there yet and and that's that's a tough spot to be in
0: yeah now it's amazing you know you and i both love what we do so much but i have to ask you this question and and because you get exposure to so many brands and so many great people doing great work are you living your true north right now? Do you feel like where you are and with all the things that you've done in your past and in your career, are you really in the place you want to be? Or is this a catalyst for you personally to go further in some other space? Like what, what is this no, for you I'm right finally, now?
1: I'm, I appreciate this question so much and no one ever asks it like that. I am exactly where I'm supposed to be as a father Um, hopefully as a husband, (laughs) my wife will tell you. And, um, but, but in terms of my career and the portfolio of activities, I've been able to sort of assemble and now manage, I'm right where I need to be. And um, amazing. And there's real, there's like, there's real joy in that. Um, And now I I just like you um, share a passion for helping other people find find their right. their way through
0: right yeah. so do you think that 10 years ago if i had asked you that question wherever you were or 10 years prior would you have perhaps thought in the moment that you were in the place you wanted to be or were those the stepping stones to what you were envisioning you know that bucket list in business that bucket list in, in your personal life
1: i was nowhere near no and, and not not only and not only that but like everybody knew it and i, I kind of reeked of like bad ambition, like just like desperate ambition of somebody who just thought they were destined for greater things and just hadn't gotten there yet. And it was like, and I was, I was going to do anything I could to get there. And like, that is unpleasant. Um, And it confuses the, the, the happiness of pursuit with the pursuit of happiness, right? Like, so I'm not like the, the, the really interesting thing about your book is that like you're not trying to get us to a destination right your book is so much less about the pursuit of happiness and so much more about the happiness of pursuit to me Mm -hmm. and I love that about your book and so I'm on a journey I don't know what I'm gonna be when I grow up I haven't reached the apex like (laughs) my best work is ahead of me like and I feel young and excited yeah. and i don't know what i'm like i don't even know what i'm doing tonight like some shit's going to happen and it's going to be interesting and the same thing tomorrow morning and i and like i've created an ecosystem around me of people of um ideas um of innovation that is like keeping me on my toes because i i i really I really don't know what crazy shit is about to happen next. I, I love that. Don't.
0: But but you're just open. And I think that's so important for us. And I think a lot of people struggle with this. And the beauty of these conversations is the wisdom, the insights, the life experience. That is going to inform and help others. It's why I have 30 stories in my book, because it's about what other people can help us understand is possible. And the fact that you understand the value of being open to what's possible and not being too set in your ways. And I talk about five minute reinventions and 10 year reinventions. I mean, when I, when I set out to write my book, my intention was not for it to take 10 years, but it did. And that's okay. That was my timeline. I was raising children. I was running a global agency. I had a lot going on. And there was nobody saying this is the one deadline that you have to adhere to. It was the one that I didn't have to adhere to. So I made it my joy and along the way wrote blogs and did speaking engagements and did all these other things and interviewed some of the most profound and amazing people. And I learned and I grew from it, which contributed to the outcome of what this book is today and all that I'm doing. And the irony of the timing, of course, is not lost on me. I mean, you know, again, coming out at the beginning of the pandemic. But I think we we need to understand the value of giving ourselves grace and being open and being able to listen and tap in. And I think a lot of people are challenged in finding those passions and sort of understanding. And a lot of people have had shifts in careers or mothers that left the workplace for a few years to really focus on their children and then come back going, wait scratching my head. Am I too old? Am I, you know, have I have I aged out? Is, am I no longer relevant? I don't know what I want to do now in this next incarnation. Fathers that are going through the same thing and really anybody who's just trying to kind of say, oh, I love my life, but what else is there? You know, and trying to sort of put the finger on it. So when you were kind of, you know, pre-knowing, pre maybe, you know, some of these other wonderful gigs were there big reinvention moments in your life where you sort of said, you know, I need to make a change and it could have been personal, yeah. spiritual business, those aha moments as I call them.
1: For sure. Um, I, I'll, I'll tell you two, two of them. One is like, I don't even know what I'm doing in this industry. I I, I went to graduate school for poetry. I was a poetry professor. I mean, none of them <laughs> None of my classmates from graduate school are doing this kind of work, right? But if I didn't learn and write my book of poetry, if I didn't understand, like, language and, and like, the the ways you can express emotion the way I did, if I didn't go through that, I, I would be nowhere near the marketer or leader than I am today. I would be nowhere mm-hmm. close. I wouldn't have made it. And... So I'm grateful for that. And, and I'm glad I didn't go to law school or medical school. And the reason I didn't go to law school or medical school is because my poetry professor in undergrad pulled me aside, invited my parents up for lunch and said to my parents, your son is not going to law school. He's going to poetry school. And our jaws dropped and (laughs) I said, what? And so like, that was a pivotal, pivotal moment in my life where I sort of thought like the way I was raised, I was supposed to be a doctor or a lawyer, but all of a sudden I have like a really powerful professor who I loved. And she's sitting with my parents telling them I'm going to poetry school. I didn't even know that was a thing. So, I mean, thank God for her. Olga Brumis, amazing poet. The other was, um, more of a medical thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't talk about this very much, but I had a very rare condition, um, earlier in my career, like in 2007, eight, where, um, I had like, f- like my, the lining between my inner ear and my brain had worn down mm-hmm. and it meant that certain frequencies were directly hitting my brain. So sound was making me pass out. Um, and it got so bad that um, I developed what's called autophony, which is when the sound of your own voice is too loud in your head and you pass out from talking. Oh my god! So like, I just stopped talking for a long time but I was working. How old were you when this happened? I was 30. Wow. 32, 34, 30, 33. Can't imagine. And um so it changed my life because I mean it's so obvious the metaphor but like it made me stop talking and only and I and only like start to listen more, right? And mm-hmm. I could hear and this is what's going to sound a little bit insane but the condition I had, you, you not only hear your voice too loud, but you can hear the systems of your body working. Um, so you can hear your muscles moving and bones and your mm-hmm. heart rate high, mm-hmm. louder than other people can. And I had to have surgery. I had a craniotomy a brain surgery where they lift your brain and they plug the holes in your inner ear and they redo the lining and they put you back together and you wake up, you have to learn how to walk again and how to listen and talk. And it made me a listener. And before that, I was just a talker. I was the smartest person in the room. You just asked me, I would tell you, I know everything. And like, I have the best ideas and I have them within five seconds. And let me just tell you. And I changed, Um, I changed. And I I stopped talking so much and I just started listening. And I would would go to meetings, you know, and I wouldn't talk for the first 45 minutes. People were wondering what the hell's wrong with him. But all I was doing was like, I was listening, I was absorbing and I was figuring out my way through and it be, it made me such a better contributor and a, um, and such a better leader eventually to do that
0: that is extraordinary and thank you for sharing that 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 is wow i just blown away to hear what you went through and how how long of a period of time i mean that that's a critical age both career wise family personal, personally yeah. to go through something that intense um how long like what period of time did this sort of create that pause if you will for you before yeah, you were all, able to really kind of engage
1: all in all the whole process was about two two and a half years yeah. and um i was an executive at Viacom. i hid this from most people right i was out for that for six months or so because i had to have um surgery and a lot of testing right. I, I was only um I was only the 67th person in America to have the surgery I had because it was so rare right. and experimental. And I was actually paid by the government to be tested on. Wow. So right. um, this was a very rare condition. And um, and it did happen in a really pivotal moment in my career. And it made me ask myself like, you know, what am I doing? What next? And- Yeah, What am I doing? And I stayed I stayed in the in the comfort of Viacom CBS for a full bar mitzvah for 13 years in total. And um, and when I left, um, it was a really scary thing uh, to be able to give up that comfort. You know, I had 250 people reporting to me, hundreds of millions of dollars in the budget to market our networks and our shows all around the world. And um, and I decided to go back down to zero. Uh, so, I took only one person with me from Viacom to so do So did
0: you choose to leave the company at that time in order to sort of, no, ruin, I, like, was I, there an, a bit of an epiphany moment for you? or? I,
1: I actually, I, I actually moved to corporate after that. Like I, my career actually started to take off when I changed my modality, when mm-hmm. I actually became a better listener yeah. and I started to think about the world differently right. after that medical sort of. Like right so it really was
0: kind of a catalyst moment for it was you. a
1: huge catalyst yeah. for me as a as a person and it's i i hope i'm much better for it as a as a human not just as a business person
0: yeah exactly well look i mean that that also explains a lot about the the next chapter for you and where you started to go and why you do lead with the heart that you lead with and as a human being and i think this has definitely been a year where all of us have really tried To make more sense out of that, Um, have there been great mentors along the way that you have really either, you know, have mentored you or is that something that you tend to do a lot? It sounds like every time you open your mouth, you're probably sharing some piece of wisdom with with others who are growing from just being around you and what you're doing. But who, who sort of affected you the most?
1: You know, I have my own board of advisors who are, you know, and I encourage other people to do that to that idea came to me from carolyn everson at facebook mm-hmm. and um these are the people i turn to when i have to make difficult decisions or important changes yeah. um or just for feedback about how i can do better um but but by far and away the biggest impact on my life was my my father uh and i told you earlier that you know i i was the kid whose mom woke him up every morning with today's the day and so mm-hmm. that's sort of like you know one half of who i am but the other half is my relationship with my father and the last thing that my dad said to me, his last words um, as he was dying. And, uh, and those were two words, be there. That's what he said. He said, be there. And every single day I wake up with, with both those things from my mom and from my dad that today's the day and be there, Um, be present, be there for others, um, be there for yourself and for your family. And and so I live by that, and um, and it extends to everybody in my world. Um, and I hope that when I'm gone, people will say that I lived up to those two things. Right. That 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 is what I hope would be my legacy if I can get there.
0: That's beautiful. That's amazing. Um, there are a lot, it takes a lot to do what we do for a living. We deal with a lot of people, a lot of personalities, a lot of deadlines. We're juggling all the time. And if you're anything like me, it never stops and it never sleeps and it just is always going. But what do you do to sort of, you know, start your day, end your day? Are there some mantras, some practices, things that just kind of keep you on track at all times and keep you aligned?
1: Yeah. So it's funny. That same poetry professor I told you about, Olga yeah. Brumas, pulled yeah. me aside in college and she said, it's essential that you write for half an hour a day. Mm, And I I was like, ah, and she's like, unless you're very busy. And I said, oh, okay. And she goes, and then you have to write for an hour a day. (laughs) And I'm like, oh (laughs) God, you You got me. You know what they say,
0: Ross, if you need something done, give it to a busy person, right?
1: And so, exactly. And so, so I, you know, for me, um, I try to wake up every morning with gratitude and go through the process of like in my own head, thinking through all the things and all the people I'm grateful for. Um, And I I generally read in the early quiet hours of the morning. And I try to read something that has nothing to do with any of my jobs in life. Uh, So right now um, I'm rereading um, the, the the poetry of Mary Oliver and Mm. I'm also um, reading for the first time the autobiography of, uh, Barack Obama. And then also, um, so, and then at night I've been reading the letters of Nelson Mandela. And so these That's are things that like,
0: phenomenal.
1: I don't know, I don't know if these are marketing things, but like, to me, I, I, I always find ways to apply when I'm reading in the morning or at night to what we're actually doing at work. Well, um,
0: philosophy, psychology, they're the basis of everything yeah, we do in marketing. So for yes, sure. absolutely. For sure. and, then,
1: and then I've been making it a practice to, um, to, to walk for an hour a day. And so I do walking weeklies with my staff where I'll take them on a walk through the park and they might not see how beautiful it is, but I I'm listening to them talking to them and I'm looking at how beautiful I love it is. That.
0: I do the and same I think, yeah. yeah, two, three times about, a day. I'm like, we do not need to be on a zoom call. I'm all good with a cell call and I am walking.
1: I'm a drummer. Um, oh wow. Since the age of seven. And there's something about like the rhythm of the walk. Mm. Right. And that, um, sort of it's opens you meditative. Up to. New- yes, and it allows you to sort of like challenge your own paths of thinking. Um, and so when I'm when I'm not on the phone with someone from my team or listening to a podcast like yours, which I love, and I'm Thank so glad so to be much. on this podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I was just listening to Raja's episode, which was yeah. phenomenal. Mm. When I'm not doing that, I just try to like focus on um, the rhythm of my feet. And um and just sort of like just get back to like the sound of my own mind.
0: I love that. <laughs> Possibly the best advice we have heard on this show today. I cannot support that enough. I think it is it is critical for our well being, our mental well being, our health to do that. And you know, like I said, if if like who was it that said, if you're busy, do it for an hour. <laughs> yeah. <all laughs> right? the broom yep. I love that. Um, question for you, you have met some pretty amazing people in your lifetime. You have been in a lot of the right rooms, shall we say, and connected and probably broken bread with some really amazing people. If you were to have a dinner party or when you can, which hopefully will be very shortly, um, is there anybody, three or four really special people that you would love a chance to meet, to talk to, to have a conversation with over a good glass of wine?
1: (laughs) Um, I've been really lucky Kathy the people I've gotten to work with who are just some of the most extraordinary people on the planet Um, you know one who comes to mind is Malala Yousafzai, who who I worked with and before she won the Nobel Prize and um, and then watching her win it you know it's just like so I've been around her a few times since and um, like I always learn a lot yeah. Uh from listening to Malala um I love it. Um I I also um you know more recently have gotten to know Jared Isaacman who's a client and Jared is the CEO of Shift4 Payments which is a very successful publicly traded company but more importantly to me he's the uh the sponsor and commander of the first all civilian mission to outer space later this year. And this is a guy who's you know the, one of the youngest billionaires in the world, self made who decided he's going to take three people with him, and he just chose all three of them we helped him choose and it It's an extraordinary human achievement, and so I feel like I'm at the dinner party that you're talking about like a lot, and i it's not my dinner party, it's usually somebody else's dinner party that I invited to and And I'm like, "Wow, I get to be in this room with these kinds of people who are doing these kinds of things. And so that, and I'll tell you one person, you know, who I find just extraordinary is Elon Musk. Um, I mean, when you listen to Elon talk about, you know, the future of the human race and how it will, it won't, we will not continue if we don't find a way to be an interplanetary species and that lots of people will die along the way to get there. But it's a sacrifice he believes we must make for the survival of our species. It It's just sort of, it challenges you <laughs> to think on an entirely another level that like most of us just going about our days just don't have to really no. think about.
0: Well, and it's not okay. We all play a role. Every act, every decision, every choice, every purchase – Everything we do, we are personally each and every one of us responsible for.
1: I've been I've been really struck lately by the work we're doing with Time Studios on a documentary at Known about inspiration for this trip to outer space. And I've gotten to know Jeffrey Kluger, who's a senior writer at Time magazine. He wrote Apollo 13. And. So I listen, like, even though I've been a part of this mission to outer space that's coming later this year from the very beginning, and I'm intimately involved in it, it's, it's only when Jeffrey speaks, do I actually fully understand what the hell I'm in the middle of here and what it means for humanity. And so it's like, that's the dinner party. I feel like I'm in the dinner party. You're describing like all the time, which is why I'm right where I'm supposed to be in my life. And that, that's. that's what's great about it. That's amazing.
0: Uh, Well, I I definitely want to catch up with you on that because it's something else I'm working on because I feel like some of these people need to be a part of a project that I'm involved with. So we'll we'll have to sidebar on that most definitely. Awesome. Um you mentioned a couple of things that you love to read. Any other favorite podcasts, any shows, anything that's either just been super fun for you that you've gotten just like, you know, that that guilty pleasure lost in yes. it, turn off the world, yeah. like where's yeah. that fun? And tell you,
1: what are you tell doing? You, with I will your tell you, I don't share this a lot of I'm I'm gonna break <laughs> I'm gonna break my rule and tell you, Kathy. Good. okay? Thank you. The two things I love most to do when that, like, I'm sure no, other, nobody else is coming on this podcast to say this. I love mixed martial arts.
0: Wow. I love,
1: I love like the honesty and the brutality and the, the competition of like, you know, athletes squaring up and f- fighting, like, right. I just I don't, because it's so, there's so much art and so much craft in what they do. Right. And the more you study it, like there are all these vicissitudes in, in the, in the moment that like people just don't really get. Cause it just looks to most people like they're just beating the shit out of each other, right. but it's, it's a dance and yeah. there's so much nuance and beauty in it. And it's also horrifying. Um, So like that, and I just don't talk about it that much I because most people. <laughs> I don't want to go you're like. You're gonna get watch. all
0: these people sending you fan mail, going, "Me too. I love it." No, but like,
1: I've had the opportunity to sit ringside, you know, like right. during a mixed martial arts fight. You know, actually ten of them, and yeah. like I had blood, like blood, like splattering like, on you, on my arm. Yeah, and you're like, "Oh my god! Like what? Like are we in the Coliseum? This is brutal." That's
0: just, well, I used to represent what? WWE and worked on WrestleMania and all those guys, and I'm like, "Okay, that was brutal enough for me," but. mma does take it to a whole other level okay go on
1: the other the (laughs) other other one that my wife and i geek out on all the time and this is so funny to talk about is really what i think of as the original data science tv show and it's family feud oh i love family feud
0: love that it's my favorite thing
1: i love family feud i I Uh, love it i can't get enough of
0: that is phenomenal I love it, and I will
1: even wake up at three AM to watch it if it's if it's going to be on at three AM, or I'll tape it. But right. a lot of times, I will just watch it at three AM because I like I really want to see it. <laughs> That's uh, so cute!
0: Hey, I got a couple of my own shows that I geek out on. What are yours? Like, what are yours? Oh God! You know, I, I used to blame it on the kids that I was watching stuff that they were watching and then they'd kind of leave the room and you'd find that you're still sitting there watching it. My husband and I, funnily enough, like Hannah Montana was one of those shows where you're like, she is so good and that is so good. And when she was a little girl, I mean, who knew she'd become the Miley Cyrus we all know and love and, and, you know, just kind of marvel over now. But there are shows like that. But I like that like sort of Gossip Girl, Rain, like some of those shows that are just like – pure brain candy because we are yeah. so on and we're so responsible and we're so in charge of so much so often that sometimes you need something that is just going to take your brain and your mind and your emotions in a completely opposite direction and it's just that guilty pleasure and you're like i'll give no you one more gets, if you, okay
1: if you even like sports at all
0: i do you love got, i'm you very watch- sports.
1: You've got to watch my Brooklyn Nets. They're gonna win the championship okay, this year. Okay. It is it is poetry in motion. Like Noted. You is. gotta watch Kyrie Irving. You gotta watch James Harden. You gotta watch Joey Buckets. It's just it's so beautiful. We call soccer the beautiful game. Yeah. it, it also applies to the Brooklyn Nets. Okay. It's the most beautiful, stunning, gorgeous, transcendent thing to watch. I these love men that.
0: play basketball. I love it. Oh, Ross, this is so fun. You know, I could sit here forever and talk to you and I hope we have lots and lots more occasions to do this even without a mic in front of us. Unfortunately, we have to wrap it up. Is there anything else you want to share? Any other advice, any, uh, you know, post COVID going back into the real world, life advice, anything for those who are looking for that moment of courage and support when they're trying to pivot, trying to take on something new, looking at a next chapter in their lives, reinventing some part of themselves.
1: I, I will say this first of all, thank you so much, Kathy, for having me uh, on your podcast, but also for writing the book. Um, because as you know, I bought it for my whole staff and thank um, you am a huge fan of, of what you share in your book. Um, there's a, I would leave with this. There's a, A moment in your preface, uh, the introduction by Quincy Jones, where he talks about, you know, even even for Quincy Jones, shit doesn't go right all the time, right? Even for that guy, there are moments of failure, of disappointment. And he talks about, and you talk about in the book, using those moments as fuel Mm -hmm. and almost like catalytically converting them into energy for your next endeavor, well as he said. puts it. Yeah. And I, I, I live by that, you know, like I fail every day and it becomes fuel that if I get it right, converts into the energy I need to do something great. And I, I hope that others take that away from Quincy, take that from your book, and then hopefully take that from this podcast. So thank you so much for having me. And I, I really appreciate being on here.
0: Thank you so much, Ross. If anybody wants to reach you or get to know Noen a little bit better, would you like to provide a website? We'll put it in the show notes, but for those that may be driving or walking and don't have a pen handy.
1: Sure. On the World Wide Web, you can find us at is And
0: that's Noen, K-N-O-W-N dot is
1: if you know you know thank you That's so much
0: awesome ross thank you so much for being here for being my guest for those tuning in you can either get my book at let's see amazon apple ebook and paperback you can find all of the podcasts thank you ross is holding up a copy of my book right now thank you um you can tune into all of the old podcasts all the former podcasts on any of the podcast stations they're also all on my website which is the reinventionexchange.com um all of the virtual chats all 85 to date Um, are also on there along with other shows and keynote speeches and blogs and newsletters, a lot of inspired content and links to other things that we're doing and other people's incredible inspirational and motivational websites and companies. So I really love to curate this conversation and great stories that will help people get inspired, get motivated, get the tools to just sort of move off the dime a little. And I really just appreciate everybody being here if you would like to know a little more about the Sharp Alliance and what we're doing. That is Sharpalliance.com, Sharp with an E. Ross, I am so grateful for you for being a part of the conversation today and uh happy reinventing. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Power of Reinvention. If you enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Wouldn't mind a five-star review. It would be greatly appreciated. Also, be sure to visit the reinventionexchange.com to share your reinvention stories, suggest a guest, join the newsletter mailing list, get access to my book, which is called Reinvent Your Life, What Are You Waiting For?, and discover fantastic bonus content with my blogs and listen in to the Reinvention virtual chat series. Don't forget to join me next week for another episode. Please share with a friend and thank you for listening. Happy reinventing.